ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Boylan, and with me, it's not Drew Brett, my co-pilot today. She's cooler than Grand Moff Tarkin sitting on a beach with a Mai Tai. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our new co-host, Lindsay. Hey, hey everyone. I do try and live up to these very unrealistic expectations that <laughs> seem to be set for me, but I like to think it's true. That, yeah, it's very true. It's true. All of it. It's true. The Force. The Jedi. All of it. It's all true. Um, I guess, does that make me the Drew for this episode? I don't, oh, does it? Well, okay. Is that an upgrade or a downgrade, do you think? I, I don't know. I think it's like a matter of perspective on that. I'm not going to take a side there. But we are talking about Grey Jedi tonight, and you are very for Grey Jedi. I'm very against Grey Jedi. So I think I'm the Drew for this episode. You are the Drew. It's... I've always yeah, wanted... how does it feel? <laughs> I feel like... Is, is that where you want to be? It's like it's like uh, uh, the Finn in, in Last Jedi. He's like, the Finn? Now I'm the Drew. <laughs> it's great. So, oh, don't disappoint him. Oh, God. So much pressure. Uh, so, Lindsay, what are you Star Warsing lately? I am Star Warsing. I'm actually going back and doing a little bit more of Legends rereads. So, I've been Star Warsing that. And I think I might be in the minority on this, but I think that Star Wars Resistance is really starting to pick up. So, I've been kind of enjoying going back through season one already. Okay. So,. I texted you guys this. None of you have responded because you're lame. Christopher Sean, who is the voice of Kaz, followed us on Twitter. Oh, wait, no. I think I did respond. I didn't see it then. I, it's whatever. because I'm cooler than Tarkin on a uh, beach with a Mai Tai. You're too cool. I, my phone can't even handle your text. There we go. No, you got a nice big, yeah, homie, out of me. Um, yeah, I don't have that. You're a liar. Uh, do you have marks? No, nope, I don't have anybody's. What is happening oh, here? Oh, you might owe us an apology. I'm, I'm just going to edit this part out. It's fine. No, <laughs> no, that's a great part about having control here. Um, no, I was super excited. So, I mean, you can buy my love. I'm not going to lie about that. And and they've got my loyalty now. So I'm a huge Resistance fan. Boom, done. Love it. <laughs> no, actually, I I really have enjoyed it a lot lately. Um, it's it's really starting to pick up, and I think, honestly, it's picking up a lot quicker than even Rebels picked up in Season 1 in terms of hitting the stuff that is, like, impacting the galaxy at large. But I want to circle back around. I know this isn't Don't Burn, but, I mean, it's you and me. We're going to end up talking about books. What are you reading right now for out of Legends? Um, actually, I just started rereading Darth Plagueis, oh. which is always a fun read. Yeah, I was I was up between that and doing the Bane trilogy. But I wasn't sure how much time I would have in the next few weeks. And I know Plagueis I can knock out pretty quickly. So that's kind of my reread right now. I just started Cloak of Deception, which is also a James Lucido. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, like I said when we talked about Tarkin, it's really hard for me to read James Lucino. He is very wordy, and I... For somebody who, myself, I am very wordy, and in my writing, I'm probably wordier than I should be. I don't like reading wordier writing. It's very ironic, but I had to read the first six pages of Cloak of Deception twice because I fell asleep as he was describing the Trade Federation ship for three pages, but it's all good. We're going to make it through, because I, I actually have read this book before. I don't remember any of it, but I remember liking it, so hopefully memories don't uh, forgo me there. You'll have to let me know because I actually just um, ordered it a couple of weeks ago. It was one of the, those books I read really and truly when it first came out and haven't picked it up since. My mom actually threw it out when I went to college. So that was a fight. But I, I went online and I found a copy. So that's definitely on my list to reread. And I know I really liked it when I was younger. So hopefully it's still there. Yeah, hopefully it holds up. You know, nostalgia plays a role in uh, in these things. But, um, man, so, I don't know. This this could be very untimely by the time this episode comes out. Peek behind the curtain. We're recording this one a little bit early. And I was holding back on whether I was going to actually talk about this. But I want to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it. Uh, as of today, the February of the 15th of the year of our Lord and Savior C-3PO, 2019, episode 9 filming has wrapped it's official jj abrams john boyega just tweeted it most of you have probably seen this by now maybe you have a title by now i don't know but Lindsay, did you see this picture that that they tweeted out? i did i got a little emotional looking at it oscar isaac just kills me in it did okay yes i'm right there with you and also john boyega's hair just had to say that oh it looks so good it really does it really looks does. so good. I, I mean, just to give look. context for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is our new three. Uh, we got Daisy, John, and Oscar all giving each other a nice big uh, group hug on what seems to be the last day of filming. And we can't really see Daisy's face. She has the three buns back. Her outfit's a little different. Um, John is in the middle, and he just looks fantastic. That hair looks so good. And then Oscar Isaac is bringing up the back, and he looks like he's about to break out in tears, if he hasn't already. We had a hot take right there, and you just kind of went right past it. Ray, oh. Finn, and Poe are We big did on some kind of... Mm. Uh, I don't even I, I don't even want to say the words and make it real and start the speculation, but some kind of desert planet. Yeah. Yeah. Could it be Tatooine? It, you know, it it could be Tatooine, could be someplace different. But I mean, really, would anyone be surprised if it was Tatooine? Well, I mean, everyone wants to go back to Jakku. <laughs> could you imagine if the last shot is just Finn going back to Jakku? Every damn time. <laughs> That's that all I great. want. Him to just at least like fly past it or something oh man or, or they just he, he's taking a nap in the back of the falcon and they just land and he's like where are we? no oh my guys God, yes. and they're like what we thought it'd be a nice place to settle down how much would you love you know how like resistance does the those um minute long shorts have you seen any of those i actually have Even not like, watched any of those now i'm they're they're cute things. you know they're they're nothing big. It's kind of like Forces of Destiny where it's like, all right, this is cute. This is fun. 
But I kind of want that, but with Ray Finn and Poe. I just want like every now and then just kind of a one minute short of like the three of them just doing buddy buddy things. That would be awesome. Okay, so I want to circle back around because there was a hot take there and you just blew by it. And that it, Ray, Finn, and Poe are your big three for this, not Ray Finn and uh, your boy Kylo? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Ray, Finn, and Poe being the main three. Okay. Um, Call me old-fashioned, but I like the the three against one villain. Okay, so... That because that's the thing. It's kind of been a back and forth. Uh, what the big three is, I don't know. I feel like we kind of get sheltered into this idea of a big three, and we have to have a big three because of Han, Luke, and Leia. But really, even Han, Luke, and Leia weren't a big three. They were more like a big five, big six. You know, because you got Chewbacca, he's always you there. Got you Chewie, got the Falcon, you get Lando you got, thrown in there. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, Lando. Okay. I gotta say, I'm Star Warsing Lando lately. I am really digging the the character development of him outside of Solo with all this ancillary stuff. I just finished reading Lando's Luck, which is one of the middle grade readers, and I'm really digging it. They have his character. He's very he's very easy to understand. Like you know exactly what he wants, but it's just he's just fun and i've never been a huge lando guy i've never disliked lando it's just kind of okay he's there and and some of the legend stuff that i've read okay you know he comes in now and again but i feel like now they've really nailed down like this is who we want lando to be and the whole like idea of him becoming a legend and things like that i'm really hoping that it comes back around in episode nine and you get a moment where like wouldn't it be awesome if instead of rose fangirling out you have finn fangirling out just going like oh, you're lando mm. calrissian <laughs> and he's that like, would be good i would think we get it more from poe though oh yeah 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 i think we're gonna get poe as a fanboy i feel like poe's just like a fanboy of everybody i feel like he had like posters of, of han solo on his wall as a kid growing up <laughs> yes right oh yes i could totally see that like the big Admiral Akbar action figure. <laughs> and its mouth opens and just says, it's a drop. <laughs> you, you pull a string. Oh, my God. There's a snake in my boot. Oh, my God. That would be so good. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's go off of that because we, we are in that era. We are in that time of episode nine speculation. And even though we're not really a speculation show, I want to get into it anyways. What do you think Lando's going to do in episode nine? I mean, I think the most obvious thing is he's going to answer the resistance call and swoop in and kind of save, you know, save some kind of battle. And he will help Ray. I want to see him in the Millennium Falcon. And the problem is... I just don't think there's enough time for him to do something really original, really cool, other than just, hey, I'm here. I'm going to fight this battle. See you later. I do hope we get a little bit more than just a cameo and we can develop something and help him drive the plot forward a little bit. Just a, just a smidge more than that. We just don't have a lot of time to do it. 
Yeah, that's the thing. And the only thing I could, I mean, I could see that where it's just like a cameo thing. Um, I was kind of thinking maybe he could come in as like somebody who tries one more time to to not get uh, not get Leia to give up on on Ben. But then I think you're kind of stomping on that moment between Luke and Leia, which I think would be foolish. So I don't know. I know in in some of the legend stuff that I've read, he's the kind of you know always off going on these different entrepreneurial journeys and and starting these new businesses and having places um for example like heir to the empire he has like this mining system or mining planet where they have to have these big walking uh cities because of the environment or whatever um something like that where maybe he's like a hideout for the resistance or whatever you know and then and then i think you could have the poe fan fangirling out to uh and I'm going to call it fangirling out because that's what he would do uh, to, to Lando. I, that's the thing. I can't – even that doesn't seem very compelling to me. You know? I don't know. No. I mean, one thing I think would be really cool is if he could um, have some kind of connection to Battlefront 2 where we have Zay, who is Aiden Versio's daughter, right before The Last Jedi – she goes off on some secret mission to, if I remember correctly, it was to find an old contact for the resistance and get them to come back. I would like for Lando to come back with Zay and he's kind of the way that we're able to tie in some of these um, stories that haven't taken place on the big screen yet. Oh. And I think that would just be a nice, easy connection there where we get, I don't want to say the fan service, because if done right, it wouldn't be fan service. But we would get to appease people in terms of getting Lando in there and the old trilogy in there. And then also getting the video games in Battlefront 2. And he just says something to say, like, you're just like your mother or... You- you remind me. Yeah, of your yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be big at all, and it doesn't have to take people who don't get it out of the story at all. It just has to be like something quick where the people who played this game and know this character are going to be like, "Oh, that's so cool! That's awesome!" And on to the next thing. Could you imagine Bria in the theater after if, if they even dropped a, a mention of Aiden Versio? I'm pretty sure they would have to drag her out of that theater. She would be running around so loud. I would kill to not see her, but I would want to see the person who's sitting next to her and doesn't get it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's what man. I want. Uh, they're all thinking they're, that she's freaking out about Lando, and um, not at all. <laughs> Little do they know. Oh, man. That would be awesome. Congrats to Bria, by the way, also, because she got another uh, feature in the Age of Republic comics. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Um, I did. Yeah, she wrote uh, a little thing for the the Count Dooku issue. I need to get to my local comic book store and get the paper copies of these because the digital don't have those features. So maybe I'll maybe I'll go do that this weekend. And I liked. Um, I saw the text too that her dad had sent her, I and it auto corrected to. I saw your feature on Count Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! I'm. That would be like a great uh, robot chicken version of Count Dooku. Count I'd Doolittle. watch it. Yeah, I'm there for it. So anyways, like I mentioned, we are going to be talking about Grey Jedi today. And that is a 
big and controversial topic. So we want to jump right into it. So we're going to come back right after this break and talk about some great... For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. All right, so there you have it. That's the force, ladies and gentlemen, and that's our show. We're just, we're done. Nothing else to say. Obi-Wan has explained it all. Except yeah, for... Join us next time. Yeah, right. Except for the, you know, I don't know, nine other movies that have made it all the more complicated because that's what Star Wars is. It's simply complicated. And that's what, that's what's up with the Great Jedi. Uh, so I, I don't even remember what the conversation, the context of the conversation we were having was. Oh, I do because you dropped quite a bomb. We were talking about, we were talking about Ahsoka Ah, and obviously because it's me and you and that's all we ever really want to talk about is Ahsoka. And I had mentioned her being a gray Jedi and you said, no, she's not. So I obviously, like any sane person, thought the conversation was going to lead to a debate about is Ahsoka a gray Jedi or not? And you dropped the bomb that no one is a gray Jedi. You said gray Jedi don't even exist. And I was like, oh, we're, we're going to hash this one out. So we decided to have uh, a little debate about if gray Jedi even exist. And of course, as all good things start, it started with Ahsoka. Yeah, uh, obviously. I'm pretty much everything with me starts with Ahsoka. So just just assume it starts with Ahsoka. No, okay. So here's my my bottom line on why I don't think Grey Jedi are a thing. There exists a duality in how we understand things. That's why we have light side and dark side. That's why we have Jedi and Sith. And I wanted to... So I pulled up a, a quote here from the Power of Myth interview with uh, Joseph Campbell that I wanted to... To touch on, and it, in this, he's talking about uh, the the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and how they uh, took the apple from the tree of knowledge, and that gave them the knowledge of good and evil, right? A duality. And he says, the mystery of life is beyond all human conception. Everything we know is within the terminology of the concepts of being and not being, many and single, true and untrue. We always think in terms of opposites, but God, the ultimate, is beyond the pair of opposites. That is all there is to it. And I think this is important because I think this is where the conversation kind of gets lost is the force exists in light side and dark side because we need these concepts to understand them. We need these dualities because that's how we function is in dualities, true and false, light and dark, good and evil, right? And yet the force is something more than that. Um, I had... uh, a pastor one time tell me or, or say in one of his sermons, and, and this is not pushing religion or anything, but this I think this is a great ideal to uh, to think about this this concept, is 
we use words to describe God, but God's undescribable. So any words that we use are going to fall short of God. And I think that that exists with the force too, is the force is so much more than anything that words could ever really describe. And so we put these labels like light side and dark side onto them to help us understand it. But at the same time, there is, there's a difference between the light and the dark. And there's a lot of evidence from, from books and, and from the movies in particular that show us that you can't have the two exist in one person in a healthy fashion. So what strikes me, though, is you say that they can't exist in a healthy fashion, but that still insinuates that they can exist on some plane. <sighs> but once you go down the dark path forever, will it dominate your destiny? You but know? now we know that's not true. We've we've seen examples, you know, Anakin Skywalker goes mm-hmm. down the dark path and he's able to redeem himself. Yes, redeem himself, but didn't it dominate his destiny? His entire destiny was was set on that moment he decided to go down the dark side. He wouldn't need redemption if he didn't go there, right? And you can the say the same thing about the light side. Then, once someone, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi, once he decided to go down the path of the light side, that technically dominated his destiny. That's yeah. not a that's not exclusive to the dark side. True. But there's there's a tension between the two, right? Luke points this out in The Last Jedi. There's a powerful light, powerful dark, a, a tension, a balance. And the idea of balance in and of itself is an idea of duality and an idea of opposites, right? Because to balance something, you have to have things on either side. And I think that the, the gray Jedi are trying to stand there on the middle of the seesaw and that really doesn't do anything. Um, nothing, nothing happens there. I would have to totally disagree. That's and all right. So, so let's just be clear. Let's really define how we are going to talk about the Jedi versus Sith versus potential Gray Jedi. Because to me, the Jedi, they believe in being able to stay in control 100% of the time. And Jedi are never going to use the dark side of the Force. Right. They're going to only use the light. They're going to stay in control of their emotions, in control of the present moment. Whereas Sith to me, simply means one or maybe two users of the Force who would tap into the dark side, and they would tap fully in. It's not like they would just dabble a little bit. They fully tapped into the dark and only the dark side of the Force. All right? problem is when you also defend them by Sith, you're now taking out people like Asajj Ventress, who I definitely want to circle back to later because all in all, if we define Grey Jedi correctly, I think Asajj is also a Grey Jedi herself. Because to me, what a Grey Jedi is, is someone who believes that they can actually use the dark side of the Force while still being in control of their emotions and being in control of the situation. It's just, you know, in my opinion, and how I'm going to 
define Grey Jedi moving forward is simply just a force user who can use either the light or the dark side. Um, you know, maybe their intentions aren't noble. Maybe they are. It's just someone who's able to go back and forth between the two. But in that, you you said, you know, anybody who can use the light side or the dark side, anybody can use the light side or the dark side. Any force user can can choose to use either side. But I think that there's a lot of evidence that if you use the dark side, it's going to corrupt you, right? Palpatine uses the dark side, and yes, he gives himself fully to the dark side, but it corrupts him. But even when you look back at Mace Windu, okay, and I think I think he's important because he created a lightsaber form, Form 7, and credit to Fode for, uh, from StarBQ Podcast for helping me out with this today. But Form 7 of uh, Vapood, Vapod, Vapod, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know exactly how to say it. But the idea is that the, the lightsider is allowing their personal darkness to infiltrate their fighting mood or th- their attitude, right? And so the, the practitioner of this form allows himself to enjoy the violence of the combat and relish in the winning, but not at the expense of ignoring morality overall, right? Which I think is a very, quote-unquote, gray Jedi thing, Okay. But not only that, though, but form seven, they actually use the dark side to further power themselves. Right. So it's not just that they're tapping into it just to use really quickly and then they're done. They're using it to gain momentum and keep that momentum going. Yeah, exactly. And so they are using the dark side. Right. But everyone, save for Windu, who used it as their their primary form, fell to the dark side. Because it's such a tender line that you're towing there. It's not plausible for most individuals. And I would even argue that Windu uses this form, and he's not an ideal Jedi. And a lot of his hubris and ego is representative of what causes the Jedi to fall. And I think the Jedi's failure causes us to immediately go, okay, well, then maybe all the way light is not the the right way to go. Does that make sense? It does, but that's why I would say you really just made the case for why Mace Windu is a great Jedi because he's able to tap into the dark side without fully falling to it and becoming a slave to it. Yes. I think my biggest issue comes down to the idea of the label of gray Jedi Mm -hmm. because I think you're either a Jedi or you're not. Because Jedi and Sith are an organization, right? And so you're either in an organization or you're not. You can't kind of half be in something. You're either Boy Scout or you're not, or I guess Scout now, um, or you're not. You know, you're either in this, you're either on this team or you're not. You're not like, oh, I'm, it's convenient for me now, so I'm going to go play with this team and then it doesn't work for me now. I think that's my issue with the the gray Jedi idea is using they use whatever's the most convenient to them at the time. I wonder then if we can just for the purposes almost call them something else because right away I can think of three examples who should be classified as gray Jedi if you take the Jedi part out of it. You know, like I said, Asajj Ventress, obviously she's someone who 
was a Jedi at a point and she fell fully to the dark side for a little bit, but by the end she pretty much dabbled and she pretty much was able to go back and forth. She wasn't a Jedi by any means. She wasn't part of that organization, but I would still classify her as a great Jedi. The other two though, that I think are a little bit more interesting and I want to get your opinion on number one, the father in the mortis arc. I would classify as a great Jedi or a great force user. Number two is the Bendo. You know, we have no reason other than the fact that he helped Ezra and Kanan. It was pretty much just because they were there. We have no reason to say that if Maul was there, he wouldn't have helped Maul. No, I think you're absolutely right. And before we jump into those characters, I think we should jump back to to what Jedi and Sith are and kind of yes. put a definition yeah. to that. Because if we're going to say that, that somebody's in the middle of the two, then we kind of have to have, you know, knowledge of the two. So let's let's real quick before we get in those characters, because I definitely those are three very compelling characters to talk about. Let's jump into the Jedi code and the Sith code, because I think a major reason why people desire a gray Jedi order or how, whatever you may call it is because of the inherent fallacies in both the Jedi Code and the Sith Code. And yeah. so starting with the, the, the Jedi Code, it is there is no emotion, there is peace, there is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, there is no chaos, there is harmony, there is no death, there is the Force. And I have a huge problem <laughs> with the Jedi Code because as Joseph Campbell mentioned, and this is another quote right from his book, mythology except suggests that behind the duality there is a singularity over which plays this like a shadow game. So there is this one thing that encompasses everything, but we understand it in parts. And the Jedi Code, to me, is more so about what, what you're pushing away. It's about creating onlys right there is no emotion there is peace that's not true like it's just blatantly not true and i get the intention of it but it ignores the an important aspect of humanity right same thing with there is no ignorance there is knowledge well you can't have knowledge without having ignorance you can't have serenity without having passion you can't have harmony without having chaos the absence of one destroys the abs d destroys the creation of the other. And I think that this is a major flaw of the Jedi is, and, and Palpatine said it perfectly, the dogmatic views of the Jedi. They're ignoring the duality that exists and ignoring the tension that exists in the Force. And, and there's a major, major flaw there. I don't have anything to add until we kind of go through the Sith Code. Do you want me to read that one? Yeah, go and then for we it. Can... All right. So the Sith Code <clears throat> says, Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. Which all in all to me, it doesn't sound bad you know when when you boil the sith down to this 
it doesn't sound like a bad thing, <laughs> which whereas I think the Jedi code makes it sound like a bad thing. Like you, you said it perfectly. The Jedi code is more about what you aren't and what you can't have and what you shouldn't have. Whereas the, the Sith is the exact opposite. And it's, you know, the, that last line, the force shall free me, you know, I think says so much about this and why we need to blend it together to have the the gray Jedi. I don't even want to call it the gray Jedi, really just the gray force users. Well, and the the Jedi code itself reminds me a lot of people who are raised in a very uh, dogmatic religious environment, um, a very strict, for lack of a better term, super conservative religious environment. And they, those people, uh, those people, that's not how I intended it to sound, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but the people who grow up in that kind of environment tend to go two ways. Either they, they stay in that very dogmatic, uh, conservative environment, which is kind of how the Jedi are, right? Which is one way to, to choose to live your life. It's fine. But then the others go to the extreme of, you know, everything that is the complete and utter opposite of that. And I think that that is a major problem with the, the Jedi, and that's where the Sith end up going. I, I'm with you. I don't think the code itself, for the Sith code itself, is necessarily problematic, except for it is. <laughs> because peace is a lie. There is only passion. That's not true. Again, it's it's built, the idea of these organizations, I think, is built on a fallacy in and of itself. Um, because, like, we want the Sith to be a really cool thing. We want, they, they have a cool look, they have badasses with red lightsabers, like, what's not to like? But there's that hypocrisy in the, the code. The passion and peace are not mutually exclusive. They exist because of each other, right? And so to circle back around to what I was talking about before, the the people who go way extreme away from the religious environment where they grew up either end very tragically, which is you know very much like a mall or a Sidious, or they tend to kind of come back towards the middle and have a somewhat air quotes normal life, right? And I think that 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 middle ground that you're talking about is where we would find most people. But in the Star Wars galaxy, the people who have this power kind of are forced to choose a side. You know, it's very Spider-Man, like with great power comes great responsibility. Very superhero, what are you going to do with this power that you have? So I guess my question is, like, if you have somebody who has this extreme force potential, do they have to choose a side? Like, is it just part of something that they have to go through where they have to make an actual decision of, like, I'm going to be light side, I'm going to be dark side, or maybe in cases like Ben do, like you were talking about, I'm going to stay right here in the middle. Like, do you have to make a conscious choice about that? And maybe that's part of the reason why the Jedi would always have failed, because the way you can also kind of take these two code is that when you read the Sith code, 
this is all about what the force will do for me. And if I can master the, you know, dark side of the force, and if I can go through all these trials and lessons, what is the force going to do for me? Well, it's going to get me strength and I'm going to get power and I'm going to have victory. And ultimately it's going to free me and look at what a great tool the force has be, has done. Um, or what a great tool I've been able to make the force. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Whereas the right. Jedi code, this isn't making anything that's actionable. This is all about how the force exists outside of myself And it doesn't talk about our relationship with the force at all or how we're going to use it, how we are going to celebrate it. This is just simply an outline of how the force works. It's not something concrete and it's not actually something to live by. So maybe when you're talking about, you know, these dogmatic views and how people who go down either one of these paths can turn out, maybe the Jedi's problem was, hey, we're just going to kind of sit here and study this thing. We're not really going to use it effectively, though. So if you want to come and actually, you know, if you, if you don't want to do any harm and if you don't want to use the dark side and you just want to be a good person, come with us and just watch this thing. But we're not really going to master it. I think there had to be the Grey Jedi who were the middle ground of, hey, we're going to master the Force. We're going to use this as a tool, but we're still going to respect that it's something greater than us. And I think, See, that's, I don't think that that's why you, you need the Grey Jedi to be uh, that sliding scale. I don't scale. think you can control, like, yes, you can control the Force to do, like, a Force push or mind control or, you know, or what, whatever kind of, like, tricks and nonsense. But to actually have power over the Force... I don't think is a thing. I think that what you just said inherently leads to using the force for yourself, right? Because at some point you become judge, jury, and executioner. Like it's based on your morality, not necessarily the forces, right? And this is a a major problem that a lot of people have with, with religion, and again, I'm just using this like purely as historical context, but a lot of people are like, okay, well, sure, maybe this God exists, but who is this person to tell me how that God wants me to live? Or who is, you know, and if we have the gray Jedi saying, okay, I have power over the force and I, I'm using it for a greater good. Well, what's their greater good? Sidious thought he was doing it for the greater good. Palpatine, or uh, Sidious is a Palpatine. There you go, Steve Kirk. <laughs> that's gonna. That's our n- new shirt on T Public. Go now. Um, Sidious is a Palpatine. I, it's great. It's great. Um, <laughs> this is what happens. Oh, when I'm I gonna just, go like, by that. Start thinking out loud. I shouldn't do it, but I'm gonna keep going. Uh, you know what? And this is why you can you're never be wrong. a rapper. You're not wrong. <laughs> you can never. You can never freestyle. But, all right so i want to stick with this religious metaphor and present day religion metaphor um i would say the gray jedi then are franciscans because i i mean i just want to read i just pulled this up it's um something i know we always had to say in school growing up it's the prayer to saint francis 
Um, and I'll just go through it real quick. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith, despair, hope, darkness, light, sadness, joy. And I think that's one part of the prayer people are pretty familiar with. But to me, it's always that second part, the second part right here. Divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And it's it's such a beautiful prayer, and it speaks very, you know, to the light side of the force. I'm going to do all these things for other people and I'm going to find these ways to help. But those last three lines, okay, just think about this. It's in giving that we receive, pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying we are born to eternal life. That right there is the death of altruism. And this is the part where we have to think, is altruism ever really a thing? Do people ever do stuff purely motivated outside of themselves? It's always going to be because they get a little bit of something. And maybe that's okay if you're doing all of these other great things for people. And I think that is why, you know, Mace Windu is still able to be a Jedi because he's tapping into the dark side of the force. And yeah, it gives him these nice battle powers and he's able to master a lightsaber through it. But in the end, he's still going to do it to help people. And you have people, you know, like Quinlan Vos, who he's he's learning how to dabble in that dark side of the force. And yes, he enjoys it. And yeah, he likes the power he gets from it. But it's still to help other people. And I think that's... That's the real one, key to being a great Jedi. Quinlan also does end up going fully dark side. He's not able to really control himself, right? So that's a major problem that we have to deal with when, we, when we're when we talking great Jedi. And I'm right there with you. Like, nothing is altruistic, right? Like, I, I, I'm a teacher, okay? I, I teach because I want to make kids' lives better. Also, I like getting a paycheck. Also, I like having summers off. I like having spring breaks off, right? Like, also, it makes me feel really good when a kid gets something or makes a connection because of something that I taught them, right? Nothing is purely altruistic. Even if you do it for what we would consider the most altruistic reasons, you get a good feeling from it, right? You get some kind of transactional receipt because, again, we live in duality, like give and take, give and receive. And so I think what what we come back to is, is the idea of the Jedi or the Sith even plausible? Is it plausible to have these organizations that are saying this is the will of the Force and we're going to show you the way that it should be? And can they really even execute on the things that they claim that they're trying to do? So particularly the Jedi, like you said, the Jedi code itself is, it's its nothing. It really basically says, it says to sit there and do nothing, right? But the Jedi are also supposed it's to go out. It's very limited. Something. 
So where do you draw that line? And I think that's where people try to define gray Jedi is these people who are doing the right thing and maybe not always doing them in the nicest way possible. But I also, but I think that's more based on our idea of like, hey, I want somebody who can kick ass against the people that I don't like, save the people that I do like, and look really super cool doing it. And that's that that's all fine, but is that a gray Jedi? Is it is it a gray Jedi just if they're super badass doing whatever they're doing? And what does it take away from the person to tap into the dark side even to do good? I mean, look what happened to Mace Windu. By the end, we talked about this on our Attack of the Clones episode. By the end of Revenge of the Sith, he's basically given up his moral high ground and his belief in the laws of the Republic and is straight up ready to kill Palpatine. Is that the right thing to do? Yes. But also, it's hypocritical because the movie before, he was saying, we're, we're protectors, we're not soldiers. And now he's not just a soldier, he's a judge, jury, and executioner for the entire galaxy. So if he's a great Jedi, that's a problem. Who is he to say, you know, this is the way that the galaxy should be run? Isn't that exactly what Sidious said? So I would say then to that, it is really a sliding scale. I totally disagree with the notion of there existing a duality and things are either true or they're untrue. The one statement that I really would agree with that Joseph Campbell makes is that we think in terms of opposites and that right there is the limitation. I think we are, it, it is only natural for the human mind to classify things as one or two things. And it is easiest to understand them when you compare it to something else. So you can easily say, you know, Mace Windu isn't a Sith only because he's a Jedi. And even though at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he's fallen from good graces and he's not doing things that a real Jedi should be doing, it makes him, it doesn't make him any less of a Jedi. It's just that we are only able to put things in several buckets and compare those buckets to each other when I really do think in reality it's more of just a sliding scale. So Mace is able to go back and forth and become what he needs to be in any given moment. I would say then to your point in your example, it's not a matter of if gray Jedi exists or don't exist or gray force users exist or don't exist. It's how long yeah, can they keep it up before they start again, to tip seen- that scale. Mace Windu, like Mace Windu in Phantom Menace, he's kind of cold, kind of off-putting, but, you know, whatever. But by the end of Revenge of the Sith, he has forgone everything that he seems to have once stood for, right? Same thing with Quinlan Voss. Like, he goes, he goes straight up full dark side. Like, Asajj brings him back, but he goes full dark side, and... 
and, yeah. and it's tough because yeah, that's true we and technically so, like, don't know his real fate yet his destiny. was he fully back or was he able to just think he was back because the jedi were so lost at that point that they couldn't tell anyways right so it is kind of a a, a splitting hairs situation and i think that you're you're definitely right in that the force is this bigger thing right luke points this out he also says that there there's light and there's dark, powerful light, powerful dark, right? And I think that one of the the issues that we have when looking at the force and looking at light side versus dark side is we think of it as the yin yang symbol, right? Which has, you know, the white with the black dot and the black with the white dot and, and each of them have a little bit of each other in them, right? And I don't think that that's how the, that's not how the force works because I think that the, the the powerful light, powerful dark is a push and pull. It's a cycle that keeps going round and round, right? Life creates death, which creates new life. And to me, if you're a gray Jedi, you're basically saying, I get to decide how that cycle runs. Because that's what Mace kind of was trying to do. Yeah. So the example I always keep coming back to is um, I actually had a youth minister when I was younger explain just God and religion to me overall. You know, I made the point that there's no way one religion can possibly sit there as an institution and say we have everything right and everyone else has everything wrong. But all these things, yeah, we figured it out. We got it. And he explained it as a stained glass window. He goes, it's, you know, if you take little bits and pieces of every single religion, then you might get the whole picture and then you'll finally get it right. It's just going to, you know, come from different colors and different shapes along the way. He goes, but eventually you put them all together in the right way, you get the full picture. And every religion is a piece of that stained glass window. And I think that's kind of the Jedi and Sith and the gray Jedi. I think that they're all little pieces of this stained glass window, eventually creating the full picture of the force. But the gray Jedi probably have the largest pieces because they're able to go into all these different sides at any given time. That's important. And you make a, a really good point there of kind of piecing it together because I think pretty much everybody can look at either the Jedi or the Sith and see something of value, right? Like to this day, one of the ways I get things done is when I get really angry about something, like I use that energy for something more productive, right? Like, so for example, I had a, when I was in college and and I was writing for the newspaper and everything, I went and uh, was covered doing a huge feature got a press pass and everything for South by Southwest to cover a friend of mine who was doing a show out there. Long story short, everything went to crap. They wouldn't let me into the venue because I wasn't of age. I literally had to stand in the back behind a dumpster to try to like get this ep- get this thing going to, to even do a feature on him. He ends up walking off stage, right? Everything just went to crap. I was furious because I just like... I put so much time into getting everything set up for this, right? And I went back and I was so pissed and I I wrote 
And to this day, that's maybe the best piece of writing that I've ever done. And it got it out of my system, right? And I would say that's a very dark side thing. So I don't think necessarily using the dark side in and of itself is a bad thing. I think it's how you choose to use it is what makes it good or bad. Does it, you know what I mean? And, and I think it's the same with the light side. Like the intention of it has a lot to do with it. My issue is when we come to the Grey Jedi code, which I want to move to now, because I think that if we define the Grey Jedi with the Grey Jedi code, it's very problematic. So the... the go ahead. Okay. I do just want to point out before you read this too... Yeah. Um, just to any listeners, this is not canon. Whereas the Jedi and the right. Sith and, code and are canon, a, a this is not canon, internet, but it's but widely accepted. One we'll say. I'm going to read from is, is kind of the one where you have a guy with a, a blue lightsaber and a red lightsaber, and I think the image itself is from Assassin's Creed with some lightsabers thrown in, but I could be wrong on that. But yes, I I read that somewhere, but I never like actually looked into it. So. <laughs> Really? I didn't know that. I love it. Clashing Sabers on Twitter. But it says, There is no dark side nor a light side. There is only the force. I will do what I must to keep the balance. The balance is what keeps me together. There is no good without evil, but evil must not be allowed to flourish. There is no passion yet emotion, serenity yet peace, chaos yet order. I am a wielder of the flame, the protector of the balance. I am the holder of the torch, lighting the way. I am keeper of the flame, soldier of the balance. I am the guardian of balance. I am the gray Jedi. Here's the Here's my issue with this. I, 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 I. Right? What did we, we, we said earlier that the, hmm. the problem with the Sith is it becomes selfish. There's no way that you can, like you said, fully give yourself to the Sith and, and come out of it ending up okay. You know, even, even Vader, you know, has to give his life to get out of it. And maybe that'll change after episode nine with whatever happens with Ben Solo. But to me, while the Grey Jedi Code has it more right than wrong, I don't think it's one that you can live by and actually stay in the middle. I would still, I think, have to disagree. Just because I think he's the actually the weakest example of what a gray Jedi is because he leaned so heavily into the light side. But, you know, you have Qui-Gon Jinn. I think he always stayed pretty much in the middle. And he was able to carry on his life and remain part of the Jedi Order. Of course, we're going to have a little bit more on that when Master and Apprentice come out pretty soon. So that's going to be exciting. But I don't know. For the most part, I think I think it can be done. It's just not easy. So I would even say, I would, I would dare to venture into this category that not only do great Jedi exist and can they, can they be effective? Yes. I would say they're probably the most powerful of the two force users to an extent. See that that's the thing. It's a it's a super fine line and I'm I'm like picking at hairs right now and I know I am. And and it a lot of it comes down to to perspective and point of view. And I think my real issue comes with 
the idea of like a gray Jedi organization that Ray is going to create some gray Jedi organization in episode nine or post episode nine or, or whatever, because I think that the, the, I think where the Jedi went really wrong is in viewing the dark side as wrong, as viewing it as totally evil, right? Because in doing so, like we said before, they're basically ignoring one side of the tension. And and so by saying that, that this thing is totally wrong, you're saying that this thing is totally right, which is arrogant, it's hubris, and that led to their their downfall. I think my issue is more with the idea of there being this organization that gets to be the judge, jury, and executioner. I keep going back to that phrase, but that's what I feel like the, J, uh, the Gray Jedi Code leads to. Because it, it literally says, I will do what I must to keep the balance. Well, okay. The Jedi viewed in Dark Disciple assassinating Count Dooku as what I must do to keep the balance or to get to the balance. I mean, is that the right thing to do? Did Dooku need to die? Maybe. But were they the ones who got to decide to do it? I mean, not according to the laws, not according to the societal agreements, not according to their code. You see, you see where I'm getting at? The, I think it's more the institutionalization of it. I do, and I'll even I'll even play along, and I'll take the the Drew hat. I'll wear the Drew hat for ten seconds, and put it in political terms. Um, I would almost see the Gray Jedi like a really, really effective president who is able to work both sides of the aisle. That's how I would just define what a gray Jedi is. They are able to mediate between the dark side and the light side, but overall they're still a president and there still needs to be some kind of checks and balances. So even though they can play nicely with both sides, there needs to be an external party saying, I'm going to keep you in line Whereas you're, you're right, the Great Jedi as an order wouldn't have it. So I I would say I think kind of my my bottom line is Great Jedi exists. Great Jedi can be a good thing. They're incredibly powerful. Can they really be sustained individually? I don't know. I really don't. Can they be sustained as an entire okay, so organization? I agree with you on that. that you no, they cannot. Which is. Uh, Ventress, the Bendu, the father. And I want to even bring Ahsoka into this because a lot of people bring Ahsoka in and that bothers me a lot. So let's start. You want to start with Ventress? Because we've kind of already gotten into her. So so give me your, your view on Ventress and why you think that she Yeah, let's start with Ventress. Jedi. I think she's a great Jedi because she, like I said before, she knows how to use only because she has been trained in how to use both the light and the dark side. Overall, her intentions, they're very self-motivated. And that, I think, is when she does tap into the dark side of the force a little bit more. But they're not bad. 
by the end of it. Yeah, they're they're very selfishly motivated. She wants to kill Dooku because he betrayed her. She's getting revenge. That's all she cares about. That is a very dark side concept right there. But the end result would probably be what's best for as many people as possible. The end result is Count Dooku is dead, Clone Wars basically over, in theory. And that's why I would say she really is the great Jedi. She can tap into both sides. And while she is selfishly yeah. motivated, it's mm. it's still a pretty happy ending there. A happy ending, yes. If but she a happy had what she wanted. By happenstance and circumstance. I don't think it's a happy ending because Ventress wants it to be a happy ending. You know what I mean? Like, you, you said it perfectly. She's in it for revenge and she, she's in it for selfishness. And as a character... I love Ventress. She's extremely compelling because we see this this character who started off as a Jedi and then and became like a Sith acolyte and then, you know, kind of got kicked to the curb and what does she do about that? But she acts very selfishly. Like at no point is she going to kill Count Dooku because it's what's best for the galaxy. She's going to do it like you said just for revenge wouldn't that kind of that would keep her in the 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 dark side category right because she never really does she ever really use the light side to help her achieve that even when she's training quinlan she's trying to break him of holding on so much to the light side and get him to accept the dark side because it's what he's going to need to commit murder I would say though almost her her ability to open up and train him was maybe a way of using the light side of the force though. And what's interesting about me to Ventress and why I wish she would become more of a mainstream character and why I hope now that we're shifting towards the uh, prequels she might get a little bit more TLC. But it's it's she was able to swing that pendulum back in such a way that we hadn't seen. Like, yeah, we saw Anakin's redemption from Darth Vader, but that was kind of a sudden jerk. And then he died. Whereas she was really swinging the pendulum back for Quinlan Vos. And I think that's, you know, part of the reason why yeah, she should be classified as a great <laughs> I still Jedi. just see her as a, a dark side user. Uh, she's motivated <laughs> by anger and aggression. Her her intentions are what are good for her. And that's what scares me about the idea of, again, I think my major issue comes back to the gray Jedi as an organization, not necessarily the idea of somebody who can use the light side and the dark side of the force, because anyone who honestly, anyone can use the light side and the dark side of the force because everyone is connected to the force and anyone can, or any force user uh, force wielder, someone who who has the ability to actually manipulate it, can use the the dark side and the light side of the force. But the intention is a major factor in it, and I think her intention is always towards inclined towards the selfish and the what's going to make her world better, not necessarily what's going to make the galaxy better. Whereas we go to Bendu, who you mentioned before. And what he did for for Kanan and Ezra 
And would he have done the same thing for Maul? Would he have done something else for Maul? He says, you know, I am the one in the middle. Here's, and, and I get that. He's not picking sides. But at the end of the day, like, he kind of gets forced into action, right? And he has to make a choice. And to me, he chooses a side of anger and aggression. I think that's symbolized in the storm and, and, and stuff. And I I don't know. I, maybe I'd go back and rewatch it. I think he dies after what he does to Thrawn in the season three finale. And he dies because he overwhelmed himself with the dark side. So again... It goes back to that idea of at some point you're going to have to decide to trust in one side or the other because of this duality that exists. I I really... I still just can't grasp onto the concept of there being an existing duality in reality. I think that an existing duality exists only in our minds so that we can easily classify things and understand them as a person. I think it really does go beyond that. It's just hard for the human brain to hold on to concepts and not compare it and not understand it by comparing it to something we already know. Okay. So then where does, Ben do fall in that bigger picture because he says he's the one in the middle if he's the one in the middle there has to be sides so is there a chaotic neutral and if there is a chaotic neutral won't that just lead to the dark side because it's chaotic can chaos ever be neutral that's i think that's the problem that i have is that at some point you're gonna swing from one. You're gonna swing from one side to the other, right? So if we if we go to kind of the the vision you gave of religion earlier and and the stained glass window, like at, at some point you're gonna have to decide which side of that stained glass window you're gonna stand on, right? You can't be in the stained glass window. At some point you're gonna have to decide. Okay, am I going to Again, going to use religion as a metaphor here, but am I going to trust in God and follow what God says, you know, whatever God you decide in, or am I going to go to this other place, you know, this this place where I give into these worldly pleasures? And and here's where I think Bendu is. I think Bendu is where <laughs> my my boss when I was in college working at a, a local family shoe store was agnostic and he said you know, he was very well informed about religions. He'd studied a lot of different religions. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, what I, what I figured out was I just have to live, you know, my life well and take care of other people and, and try to make the world a better place. And if I die and there is some God and that wasn't good enough for him, do I really want to spend eternity with that God, right? So I think when you go to Bendu, or I, I think when you're looking at him, it's kind of a Bendu thing. But at the end of the day, he chose a very light side style life, right? He said, I was going to do, you know, just treat people well and, and live the best life that I could. But he didn't try to control his environment. He didn't, or, I, I think that, that that's the big issue is once you try to assume this control over 
the world around you and things that are outside of your control, it becomes very problematic. And that's where the Jedi fell is in trying to control this world that was outside of their control, trying to control the force. And the gray Jedi to me are trying to control the force, but they're trying to control it on their own terms. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe the entire Jedi order of the prequels was the quote unquote. See, so I would say that the Jedi, I don't think they're gray Jedi. I think that they ended up becoming great Jedi towards the end. And that was maybe their downfall and maybe more of a reason to say that a great Jedi order could never exist because that's eventually what the Jedi became. Um, I want to go back to the Bendu though. And the great example you gave right at the end, um, when he really attacks Thrawn, like, like you said, he does it through this anger and through this dark sidey way. And I think that there are three things that we need to take into account when we're talking about any character and trying to classify them as Jedi, Sith, Grey Jedi, Bounty Hunter, whatever it is. Um, but there's kind of three things that you need to think about. One is their intentions. Two are their actions. And three would be the overall outcome. So with the Bendu, I think you have really neutral intentions all the time. And what kind of strikes me while, while we're talking about this, I'm just realizing now what a very passive character the Bendu and the father characters, really, the Bendu and the father are. Because they don't really go out and try and make these situations themselves. It literally is people coming and stepping on them and knocking on their door. They're very, very passive characters, um, which is why their intentions are overall pretty neutral. Now, in the Bendu's case, you have the action. The action now being taking Thrawn down with this storm and becoming angry, becoming violent. That's a very dark side action. But it's an overall light side outcome. You know, the rebels are able to live to fight another day. That's that's a great thing that we know. We understand that as good good guys win at the end of the day. You know, good guys live to fight another day. So Bendu's interesting because when we think of things in the three buckets that we can categorize someone as good or evil, he really, every single bucket hits something different. We have neutral, we have the dark side, we have the light side. See, but I would disagree about the outcome portion of it. I think you're you're spot on with the intention, definitely on with the action. But so much of life, it, especially outcomes, there there's so much more than just what you do. It's kind of out of your control. And that is a major issue with Anakin, right? Is he's trying to control everything. But if we look at the outcome of, let's say, Tarkin deciding to stay on the Death Star, right? His intention was arrogance. His actions were terror. The outcome was fantastic because he died. You see what I mean? Like, I think that we can't really count the the outcome because there are so many other factors. The The intention and the action are where we have to really focus on and the outcome is more okay now 
intention plus action equals outcome to some extent. And like, okay, we have the outcome. So now what do we do with our next intention and action? And I think that's where Luke really comes in because he gets to these points where he's so close to the dark side and he chooses nonviolence, you know, on the second Death Star. But also I think in The Last Jedi is the outcome is really irrelevant because his intention and his action are going to spread this legend, the legend of Luke Skywalker that's going to inspire so many other people to choose right intentions and right actions. And in, in the long term, yes, that'll work out, but that doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to be okay. It, it, it's that chaos theory. There's so much chaos going on around us. I don't know. The more that you explain it too, the more I think maybe Sith are closer. You know, you said maybe Jedi are closer to great Jedi. It almost sounds like when you're talking about this chaos and this uncontrollable factor, the Sith would be closer to great Jedi. But I mean, I, I still can't wrap my head around the thought of great Jedi not existing. I think it's, it very much exists and it is a powerful tool and they are powerful force users it's just not sustainable that would be i think where i end up that overall when all is said and done that's gray jedi are there they just could never come together and form an effective order so then can they exist individually and and not have an order because that's one of the theories i have about where episode nine goes you know luke says i will not be the last jedi we're clearly going to get more jedi ray is going to be leading those jedi like i I think that's kind of predetermined fact already at this point, right? So my theory is she doesn't reform some kind of Jedi order, but does train up these Jedi figures who go out and and do good in the galaxy, but there's no, like, mandate. Uh, They don't answer necessarily to the Senate. I don't know exactly how you execute that. I one of my theories is that there's not going to be a republic, that each system's kind of going to go off and do their own thing because the whole, like, everybody in the galaxy being united thing hasn't worked out so well. And, like, they jump from planet to planet and, and are more missionary-type people. So can a great Jedi order exist in that fashion where maybe they're not necessarily organized, but they exist? I'm just that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did not think of this in terms of episode nine and where we're going to end up. Um, other than, you know, Ray is most likely going to be some type of a great Jedi figure. But now that we're really talking about the sustainability of it and how it would play a part in a new world order, that's a really challenging subject and it's almost like her mission would almost be like a figurehead you know like he said loose the legend he expires he inspires others and other people go out and do good works but i i mean it's just so much to think about too because ray ray's experience with the force has been equally good and bad yeah it's not like Anakin, when he was nine years old, you know, this this great Jedi comes and he saves him from this and he's taken the Jedi 
temple where he sees all these kind people doing all these great things and he has this wonderful training and he's almost sheltered from it. You know, and of course we can say the same for every other Jedi. A Jedi comes in and they save them from these other lives and they they go on to do great things. Whereas Rey, her experiences with the Force, anytime it's something good, something equally bad happens to her. And that must be so confusing for, you know, a, we'll figure 19 year old girl to go in and say, okay, so this, this cool thing happened. Oh, but then again, so did this, maybe this, you know, maybe I should shy away from the force. So it's, it's a testament to Ray that she keeps pushing through and she even wants to learn more about the force. It's going to be very confusing to see how she implements it, though, when she has been exposed to only the balance between the two at this point. Well, and Ray, she's such an interesting character because she's lived such a hard life, but yet she's so good, right? And and you said it perfectly that she's had something good happens, something bad happens, but she still stays good in spite of all of it, right? And, and maybe that's where we're moving and maybe gray Jedi is the label we use to define it because we don't have the words for it yet. But maybe the the idea that we move towards is Jedi are those who do good in spite of the darkness around them. Whereas I think the Jedi in the prequels did good in the absence of the darkness around them. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking all this in and now I'm really thinking about Ray's journey so far and how it really has been such a trade-off. You know, she, we know, we know she store, she knows the stories of Luke Skywalker and the legends of Luke Skywalker. She must think the force is great. Her first real experience with the force then was pretty traumatic. It was touching that lightsaber and everything turned on right after that. She meets Kylo and she's frozen by the force. You know, she is literally frozen in place by the force. Next one, she's able to pull off that Jedi mind trick. And when he does that mind probe, he unleashes something in her. She knows how to use the force because he accidentally let her in as well. And then she uses the Jedi mind trick. And then there it really is just this weird volley all the way throughout The Last Jedi where anytime something good happens to her through the force, something bad happens right away. And yeah, how do you live in that chaos? Where do you go? And because she's able to hold on to that good, you're so right. That's why she is such a such a great, strong character. It's something I don't think many people can do. And I think why people want to be her Um the problem then with episode nine is just going to be how does she implement that? That's a really, that's a really tough question, right? Because like with Luke, you he he sees the darkness around him with Kylo Ren with Ben Solo and runs from it, whereas Ray runs to it, and and I think the the difference between kylo and vader is vader didn't feel the pull to the light vader was full-on had given in to his i'm gonna be dark side for the rest of my life you know shell of an existence and it wasn't until luke k 
came and he and he I, I believe saw the Padme and Luke that he even had a glimmer of hope where he even had a glimmer of maybe there is another life for me out there. Kylo already lives in that. See, and I think the interesting thing about him, it, it's so weird to me how people are saying like he didn't have maybe the best childhood growing up or they Han and Leia weren't the best parents because from everything I've seen, they were pretty decent parents. Like no parents are perfect, but they didn't mess him up enough for him to become Kylo Ren, right? And that moment just with Luke is not going to... It, it might mess him up pretty bad. It might give him some very serious PTSD and trust issues and things. But like Luke said, Snoke had already turned his heart. And mm-hmm. But then in Force Awakens, he says, I feel the pull to the light, you know? And he's... I think he's trying to exist in that middle of where we would see a gray Jedi organization try to exist at and failing miserably at it. And maybe Ray is what he needs, not necessarily romantically, but what he needs to see that like, okay, things are not perfect. Sometimes they're not even good. They're definitely not great, but I can exist in that tension. I can exist in that point in the middle where I acknowledge both, but yet I follow this certain set of, of standards and principles. I agree. And I think I might have an idea as to why. Go for it. So one thing we haven't really talked about in terms of the dark side of the force and the allure to the dark side is there's there's been this common theme um, kind of dropped off in the prequel because that wasn't where we were at in the story. Um, but there is now coming back this theme of the dark side is going to show you these hard truths, right? And first time we saw it was on Dagobah in the cave scene. Luke goes into that cave. We have that incredible line, you know, what's in there? You know, says only what you take with you. And Luke goes in and he now needs to face the truth. And he has this vision in there. And that's kind of his first inkling or what we come to know as should have been his first inkling, that Darth Vader is his father. That's a really hard truth to accept. But the dark side was what showed that. Now we have in um, the Darth Vader comics... Issue number 25, we have Darth Vader's hard truth through the dark side of the force. And that is that Padme's dead. She's not coming back. There's nothing he can do now to save her. That's another really hard truth that he learned through the dark side of the force, right? Now in The Last Jedi, you know, we have uh, Rey go to what we now know as the but it's really just another iteration of the cave scene. And Luke even says, you know, the dark side promised you something. They promised you something and you just went to it. And it starts to show her this truth. And she, you know, we can certainly discuss the mirror scene for hours on end. But what I'm thinking is that maybe Ray is going to turn to the dark side to show her this truth But unlike Luke and unlike Vader, 
the truth isn't going to be a bad thing. Maybe the dark side of the force is going to show her something true that really benefits her and really is what she wants to know. And maybe the reason Kylo keeps going back and forth between the dark side and the light and why he keeps feeling that pull is because the dark side hasn't shown him anything yet. And I don't know, I, I now just can't get the idea out of my head that maybe the dark side is going to show Ray something good and that's why she's going to be able to find this internal balance that no other Jedi really could because they didn't open up to the dark side to learn whatever truth they needed to know. I think actually, now that you say it like that, I think you're spot on because of obviously Ahsoka. Um, Ahsoka goes to Malachor, dark side, to face a truth she doesn't want to have to face, which is that her master, Anakin, has become Darth Vader, has become a Sith, you know, the very thing he swore to destroy. I have a theory and... World of, world Between Worlds, everything like that does not affect this theory that Ahsoka stayed on Malachor the entire war because she had to be that light in the darkness for Anakin. Um, I've said this many times before. I've written articles on it. I have a three strikes theory where Anakin's three strikes were his mom, Padme, and Ahsoka. But because Ahsoka didn't fully die, she left him but she didn't die like the other two, there is that glimmer of hope. And so she was able to stay there until Luke was it, was ready to kind of pick up the torch and bring his father fully back, right? So she went to Malachor. She faced this hard truth. She had to stay there. And then she returns to the galactic picture at the end of Rebels. So Ray could definitely work in the same kind of way. Like maybe, like you're saying, she doesn't turn to the dark side she has to go to the dark side for answers. So maybe that's what we end up with. And maybe you call it gray Jedi. I hope not. I just don't like the term at this point because it's so convoluted, but maybe what the Jedi become are these people who go to the dark side, but don't use the dark side. You know, maybe they go to the dark side to find these answers, to find the things. What should I be fighting? What should I be watching out for? What should I be aware of? But they don't, use it right because that's where luke started to go wrong on the second death star was starting to use the dark side i would say even obi-wan on naboo uses the dark side in fighting maul and that's not the the best way to go about things because then he makes this promise to qui-gon when i feel like he still kind of has some dark side energy around him that maybe taints what happens with him and anakin throughout the prequels so Again, it's a fine line to toe, but but what do you think about that, where they go to the dark side for answers, but use the light side for action and intention? A Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression, the dark side of the Force are they. Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you at will. As it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader, is the dark side stronger? No. 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 But the busier, more seductive. But how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace, passive, 
I am all for it. I, I'm all for it. And I hope one of the things that we actually get to support this, um, I think a really cool reference book for episode nine would be, um, I'm trying to think of how they could do this, but maybe like we have raised survival journal for the force awakens. I would like to see Ray keeping another journal as she's going through the ancient text that she took and she's kind of making notes. I would love for a reference book of that kind of journal where we're now learning about the original books about the ancient Jedi order and how it is just that, how they would be able to go from to the dark side for answers still use the light side. I think that would be such a cool way to incorporate this and where her story goes after episode nine. I don't necessarily want that exact thing. I want a little bit of a twist on it. I want straight up. I want the Jedi text. I want the sacred Jedi text kind of like we have the, the Jedi path book that kind of lays out the, the basics of the Jedi Order, and there's those notations on the side from Qui-Gon and Yoda and Anakin and Ahsoka and everything. If you haven't read Jedi Path, you can read it in, like, a day. You can read it in a few yeah, hours. Yeah, that that's a good quick one. But the problem is, as Yoda says, page turners, they were not. I know, but I'm a nerd. I also read <laughs> Joseph Campbell for fun. So, you know, like, I, I'm there for it. And so I think it would be really cool if we got... I'm sure we won't, but I'm sure we will get something more along your lines of, no, you know what would be really cool? What? You're like this. Episode one style journals, but for Ray, from the end of Last Jedi to the beginning of and through the end of episode nine. And you make it like yes. a young reader series. Yes. I remember those. Uh, I remember those. I told you guys we were going to talk about books. It's going to happen. Oh. That would be super cool. Oh, my God. I remember those. Yeah. All right. I'm here for it. So that's that's what we need. Lucasfilm, I know you're listening. You've heard what we want. We know that all you do is answer to fans. We're shills. We'll, we'll take the paycheck however you want. I, I take Venmo. I take PayPal. You know, however you want. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, so to kind of wrap it up, we, I think we've kind of come to a few conclusions on this episode. Number one, the force is much more than just light side and dark side. And we use those terms more so to help us understand the, the tension and the, the duality is the term that I've been using to kind of the opposites is kind of what you said. But I think at the end of the day, we're kind of saying the same thing. Um, the gray Jedi, I still say gray Jedi is not a thing, but the idea of someone who can touch the light side and the dark side is definitely a thing. I think you kind of are more in the side of putting a, a label on that, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then, and then finally, the gray Jedi would not work as an organization, but Ray definitely can't go back to the way the Jedi were before. Well put. I, I agree with that summation. Cool. So there you have it. That's the final word on Grey Jedi. Everybody else, be quiet. We answered the question for you. <laughs> no more problems. <laughs> this is what we're here for. You're welcome. Again, I take Venmo. I take PayPal. Check's fine. Cash is fine. Uh, you can find my... No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say you can find my address in the show notes, but that would just be weird. 
<laughs> that is asking for a world of hurt. Oh, God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? You know your students would find it. That's scary. That's really uh, scary. They could probably already find it. I'm not going to lie. It's out there on the internet. It's these days, man. Oh, man. So to, to finally kind of wrap it up, uh, we have a big contest going on right now uh, in honor of our 10-part series going through all the movies leading up to episode nine and on our next episode we are going to have uh mark is going to be on the episode which is super exciting because he hasn't been on in a while and we're also going to have Foden bead on because lightsabers and uh, if you're going to talk lightsabers you have to have Foden bead on the episode and there's lots of lightsabers in revenge of the sith but before we even get there you got to go back and listen to our attack of the clones episode because we have a big time contest going on for a Cad Bane figure. I'm going to post a, or actually by the time this episode comes out, it'll already be posted on Twitter. You can see an, uh, an image of it. So uh, Savannah, Dorky Diva, I'm looking at you. Uh, n- big fans of Cad Bane out there. Make sure you enter that contest so I can get that to you. And of course we have all of our uh, social media accounts. You can hit us up at Twitter, at Twitter, at Twitter, um, at Clashing Sabers. We are not at Twitter. That's a different thing. We're not that big, but, you know. <laughs> we might not see that. Yeah. So, at Clashing Sabers, uh, and you can send us your thoughts, Clashing Sabers Network at gmail.com. And, Lindsay, you want to tell them about all the other stuff we got going on? I do. You guys can find me on Twitter as well, at Miss Lindsay G. That's Miss Lindsay with an E G. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Full Force Lindsay, where the focus there is using the Fuel Your Force campaign uh, that Star Wars has going on and really just promoting general well wellness, um, healthy lifestyle, healthy eating, things like that. Um, and, so have a lot of fun. And there. being and a badass. I'm- don't don't deny that. Just casually. <laughs> oh, you know, I I'm try. just over here with a 50 pound plate on my back doing a plank. No big deal. That was pretty insane this morning, but I did it. It was 50 pounds. That was awesome. I'll take it. That was awesome. Uh, so, so stuff like that, you can definitely check out. Or then also, um, if that's something you're interested in, you can join a face group, Facebook group we have going, um, fueled by the force and fitness where we really are tracking some, some different goals other than just weight loss and really focusing on just general well-being, spending time with family, fun things like that. And we have some cool contests going on over there as well. Absolutely. So until next time, remember the most important lesson that Star Wars has to offer. Batch 8. Hi-ho. Say hi-ho. Hi-ho. There you go. Good job. All right. We're going we're gonna to fix it in post. It'll be fine. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.